the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we've got a great program coming up. We will talk in a few moments with Todd Benzman, an update on the border. Uh, I just recorded it with him. We go on for a while, so I had to get him while I could get him. Um, So I recorded it before we started the show. So it's long, which means I'm going to keep this short. Okay, what you need to know today. Here's my prediction, and I'm not happy about it, but I know I'm right. My prediction is that we watch and we see that the um, media and the left is going to basically denigrate the English monarchy in a significant way. Now, I don't think that King Charles is a particularly good guy. I don't know him personally, so I can't say his soul, but I don't particularly like how he lived his life and what happened with his life, but I don't judge it too much. I except to say he really became over the last two, three decades, but two decades, really silly on some major issues. Uh, he, he talks about how the, you know, the, he fell for the climate change stuff and, and he didn't just fall for, Oh, there's something I want to worry about. He just became sort of over the top. And so now he's King. He's in his seventies. I think what's, I think he's going to be a, a useful foil for the media and especially social media and tech, big tech, and also the left to denigrate the monarchy. And here's the trick that they're going to do. It, I, I'm not a fan of the monarchy. I like America better. I like a system of uh, a democratic republic. But I do think that the ultimate um, a starting point is we have, uh, we, you know, we, America, we have a Declaration of Independence that talks about our creator. We believe in an almighty creator. We believe in authority. We believe in a system that has someone in charge. Has to be so. Has to be so. It's human nature, but it's also creation. And the monarchy is one of those. So when they denigrate the monarchy, they're not just denigrating the notion of uh, someone in charge. They don't like anyone in charge. They don't like God in charge. They don't like creation. And so my concern is as they denigrate the monarchy, as they degrade the institution, because King Charles will be a, a doofus, then it will do damage to an aspect of living together that matters. We're not supposed to be uh, ruled by our worst impulses or even by the mob. We're supposed to be ruled by a system that honors the fact that we are created, that we are created from God. We have certain inalienable rights. That's our deal. And that we are bound together to protect those and take care of each other in some way. So I'm actually worried. I, I don't like him, but I'm not rooting for him to be as big a failure as I think they're going to make him. Just like I've told you, I'm not sure we'll ever have a two-term president that sort of survives any level of respectability because big tech and social media and the regular, you know, big media, they love to tear people apart. And so does the opposition. And it gets clicks. It gets attention. So, you know, having a sedate leader who rules well is not good for business if you're chasing clicks. So that's what you need to know. Watch the monarchy diminished. All right. We got to run. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is our friend who is over at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, he's really a great resource uh, for me and for a lot of us. Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. He is their senior national security uh, fellow. I think that's investigative. He's an investigative journalist who's basically using his skills to dig into what's happening in this country and uh, on the border. And he's been down on the border a bunch of times. His book, is called America's Covert Border War. And I think almost for 25 years, he was a practicing journalist, uh, you know, working as a journalist, not just necessarily as now he's a fellow and writes books and things. But um, that's one of my questions, Todd, as I always do to you is what is why is no one covering this? I was on a different show, a TV show, and they said uh, they asked about the border and they said, you know, why isn't anyone covering this? And, And my point to them was, the the actual admitted numbers are so big, historic, but the but the the one that's even more stunning is what's not reported, because if you got an open border, you probably got lots and lots of other people coming in. So it's really amazing anyway. So, Todd Benzman, welcome back. What I mean, you must shake your head or bang your head on the table that there's not more coverage of this. All the time, I'll give you a great example Uh, Last week, the New York Times did a a really good report. It it was a a good piece of journalism about Portland, Maine, uh, Mm -hmm. contending with a huge influx of illegal immigrants from the southern border. You know, they say the the southern border is, you know, every state's a border state. Right. Because Mm -hmm. of that. Well, Portland, Maine couldn't be further from the southern border, but it's suffering. But the New York Times used for its headline nothing about the suffering or anything about the story itself the headline was more than a million people into uh admitted by the biden administration into america that was the headline wow which was acting as a substitute for the fact that they have not written a story dedicated (laughs) to the fact that a million people have entered. The, there was nothing in the in the story about that. It was just the headline. So I guess they figure they can slip out from under the obligation of reporting that Joe Biden has legally admitted a million people right off of the border. And by the way, it's not just a million people. It's another million gotaways. Uh, well, but let me let me uh, let me pause, Todd. I want to let me pause on this. We're talking about Todd Benzman. If they admit a million, when you say a million gotaways, is is that is that the estimated number of like if I'm running? I mean, I don't know how to do this any other way. Like it's going to sound pathetic, but if I if I have a if I have a, a my property, my little house and our, our property, and I and I put a fence up, but then I say, you know what? I don't really care about the fence. I'm taking it down. I take the fence down, and I watch. And I see 10 deer come across my yard. That's the ones I saw because I went to bed and there's no (laughs) way there wasn't any more. So we have a border that is not secure. Well, is anyone saying that the border is actually secure so that we can count who's coming in? Or is it is everyone just admitting we don't know? And, And if we don't know, what's the real number? If they say we know we counted a million, is it two million, three million more? How many more? Is that what you're about to tell me? Yes. Well, for one thing, we know how many have been admitted and we know what the government's estimate is for gotaways. The, re- the only reason we know this is because uh, the state of Texas and Missouri filed a lawsuit, federal lawsuit against the Biden administration and DHS 
to stop the Remain in Mexico policy. That's irrelevant what it was about. But the judge required DHS to file monthly reports oh. on how many gotaways there were and how many admittances. That's okay. the only way we stopped getting those reports in June when the when the settlement was uh, input put in place. But but so we have this great you know chunk of data, and that's where we get the one million. 1.1 million were through June, just through June. We're into September now, so it's going to be a lot more. Uh, and then they also, those reports said that there were 900,000 estimated gotaways. So between those two, there were 2 million people that we know know got into the United States in an 18 month period. Okay. That's uh-huh. from court filings. So I'm going with the court filings right now. I can also tell you that gotaways are notoriously undercounted because like you say, when you go to sleep at night, you don't know, you know, you're not there. <laughs> hey, right. Border, right. Border, border patrol is off the line doing processing duty for those other millions that are coming in. So they're not there to count footprints in the sand or, you know, spot them from, from an aircraft or something like that. Uh, that's how gotaways are are tabulated. So the number of gotaways is going to be far more than 900,000. But now we've got another couple months. So it's probably we're looking at 2.3 million that are actually in the country uh, because now we have a rate. We have a really good rate we can project. So if you double the 18 months at current rates, you're looking at, you know, four and a half million people inside the country in a three-year period. Uh, So another six months of the Biden administration, uh, you could easily figure that there'll be another, you know, million, million and a half. That's five and a half, six million people that are actually have gotten in, will have gotten into the country by the end of the Biden administration. Another Democrat gets in, the White House for another four years, you're looking at, you know, 20 million people coming into the country. I mean, this is just completely off the hook, out of control. Um, we're talking with uh, our friend Todd Benzman, um, who's over at Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Um, Todd, is um, what about the national security aspect of it? I, I, I think I saw somebody say or it was some coverage that there was some Afghanis that came across the border. Is there is there anything new on that front? I mean, one of your whole book, I mean, that you yes. wrote about was. Yeah. Yes. Tell me. Tell me what we're seeing. Yeah. So so one of the really unusual things that happened with the Biden administration is they're opaque on all their data. They don't want to tell anybody the bad stuff. But then somebody turned around and put on their news uh, and statistics website a category for terrorist watch listed people that come across the border. So we have their data is right on their CBP.gov website. And that data says that for just this fiscal year, we've had 66 people on the FBI's terror watch list cross between the ports of entry at the border, on the land border, meaning they're trying to get in, running in, hiding, not coming at the ports of entry. And uh, 66 may not sound like a lot compared to the millions and millions that are coming in, but 
on the eve of the 9-11 anniversary, I would point out that that's four times as many as conducted the 9-11 attacks, 66 in a single year. Uh, less than a year. Uh, yeah, but but also, and, but also, Todd, in in the spirit of our previous dis- our, our conversation just now, that's what we know. That's who we know. That's the dumb ones that got caught, right? I mean, that's the. Well, and, uh, I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> they're not the good ones because we have because we have a million gotaways. <laughs> yeah, you can almost guarantee that you know plenty of watchlisted people or people who ought to be on the watch list got in with them. Right. So, for sure. yeah, exactly. Uh, for sure. What is the what is the status of the argument that started for a, a brief time about health issues? I mean, we saw the White House get confronted about, uh, you know, uh, their, their, their contradiction of their <laughs> we've got to have vaccinated people in such and such a place. But when it comes to the border, you know, come on down. But uh, but what I think they were some monkey pox. I mean, if again, if you have a border that's wide open, there's health issues, too. Is there any anything happening on that? Have you, I, I think I I think I'm saying that and not sure i know it to be true well i'm waiting for cbp.gov to put one of those pages up on their statistics news site uh (laughs) on all the different kinds of diseases to come across uh there is no data about that it's it's i mean not in the public realm somebody somewhere has the data about you know cholera and you know polio and you know strange diseases that were long ago vanquished in the United States, but we just don't have the data. It's just purely anecdotal. You know, you hear it from a nurse, a nurse, you know, somebody, a doctor in the hospital says, wow, we just treated, uh, you know, a bunch of people for, you know, whatever it is, so, you know, some third world kind of disease. And so, yeah, I mean, those are coming in too. You can't not have people coming from every uh, nation on the continent of Africa and not, you know, be bringing in some strange diseases or some vanquished diseases. And nobody ever wants to talk about that. That's one of those kind of topics that falls into the category of, you know, you racists. You're just saying that there are these, you know, poor black people from Africa are diseased. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can you know, the disease ridden, you know, non-whites that are coming through. It's one of those. But it's it's a factor. Uh, you know, we're talking public health factor. We're talking with uh, Todd Benzman, uh, Center for Immigration Studies, no. CISR. Please go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I've been studying Ellis Island for a little while lately, and you know, one of the one of the few uh, reasons that they could send you back on the ships was, you know, if you had uh, you know some of these diseases, right? And they would test for all these different kind of diseases. We've always done that as a country. Uh, and use that as a criteria for expulsion. Uh, Todd Benzman on Twitter at Benzman Todd at Benzman Todd reverse his name uh, Center for Immigration Studies dot uh, org. Um, Todd, have you been have you been to Alice Island? No, I haven't. It's oh, my, oh my man, it's it's a. Uh, sure. I've been. I you know I grew up. I grew up near there. In fact, my high school is in Jersey City, so I we used to go there. I, I've been there a million times. I'm not a million. I've been there dozens of times. It's extraordinary. It's a, it's a great. It's a great. It's a great great historical uh, touchstone for America. Not not just because obvious reasons, but it's but 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 the way it's uh, the way it's laid out and how it's set up, and of course the Statue of Liberty is looming over your uh, shoulder from just across. You know, a few. I don't know half a mile away. So uh, yeah, that's you'll you well, love. Love that. But what I was, uh, the reason I was studying it is because 
the peak year at Ellis Island was 1907. They had about 1.1 million cross be admitted in at Ellis Island in that year. And the year before it was like, you know, a hundred thousand and it's nothing like that one year. But if you, if you were to take the few years in and around that, the rate at which they're coming in over the Southern border far, far exceeds anything that happened at Ellis Island, which is a historic, you know, note in American history. I mean, it's, it's one of those immigration, you know, pages uh, in the history book. And this one is that's happening at the Southern border exceeds this by far. I mean, we, we could have half 12 million came in altogether over a 67 year period. Wow. We could have, we we're looking at six, we're looking at half of that just by the end of the first four years of the Biden administration, just to give you, and, and there is widespread denialism that it's even happening. We had, Alejandro Mayorkas just a week or two ago tell Congress the border is under control. There is no border crisis. He said it out loud, like under oath. Is um, uh, Todd, if you were to describe um, who benefits day to day, I'm not talking about the growth of the American bureaucracy or even if you think um, the numbers will you know, support, you know, the numbers of people will support greater you know, um, social services or voters uh, at the border now. Is it too glib to say the cartels? are making money hand over fist because they've got a combination of drugs, sex trafficking, uh, mule payments. What else? I mean, I don't know what else is. Is that too simplistic or is that I mean, because somebody's making it, it's somebody is happy to push it through the way they're doing it. I think I mean, is 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 the money filter work here? Well, it actually is that simple. Uh, you know, people come into their territory and they make them pay or they kill them or, or beat them up. Right. So you have to pay uh, to cross in most of the uh, border areas, not all of them, but most of them you got to pay. So there's credible reporting that the cartels for the first time ever are making more money from the business of human smuggling than from drugs, which is really amazing. I mean, that is just, you know, drugs was always their thing, right? And (laughs) and smuggling was kind of the side hustle thing that they did because it was just enough to bother with. Uh, But now they're saying, you know, there's good reporting that they're making, especially the Gulf cartel down in in Matamoros and Reynosa area down there across from South Texas, Tamaulipas. Uh, are are making so much money and everywhere else too. the Sinaloa cartel, they're just making huge. Uh, I'll give you some, some numbers here just off the cuff. If you've got a minute. Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, it ranges. Nobody really knows, but we've had pretty good estimates from ice intelligence uh, that uh, was, was testified to in front of Congress uh, in the last year or two, which is that, they think that maybe the cartels used to make about five hundred million a year at the low end uh, from human smuggling, and now they're saying uh, they're estimating that it's anywhere from six billion to thirteen billion a year. To just give you an idea of how many multiples 
uh, above what they were making, they're making now. I mean, whether it's six billion or thirteen billion, it's a lot more than five hundred million. It's in the billions now, and that's that's in a in a year. So why do we care about that? Well, one reason to care about that is those cartels. What they do with that wealth is they buy weapons, they buy armament, they buy military equipment. They are able to recruit more soldiers. Mm -hmm. And as they expand that power where they are, then they become a threat to the Mexican state. The Mm. Mexican state was already having a a problem militarily uh, countering these cartels. And when they get that big and powerful militarily, at some point when they want they could go to Mexico City and cause a lot of trouble. And Hmm. just the threat of going to Mexico City, which they've done before, is enough to influence policy and kind of create a a true narco state. Hmm. Uh, Wow. So, I mean, this is a longer term, uh, you know, threat to the United States. That's our major trading partner down there. We must have a stable mexico down there we must yeah it's uh well it's uh, there's so many ways that it's a short-term problem but a long-term i mean it's a short-term disaster but it's a long-term crisis i mean full-on crisis a national security crisis again that's uh, part of the point of your uh book uh, america's covert border war todd benzman all right todd i gotta run at benzman todd i was looking i don't know a few hours ago when it was on your on your twitter feed a new government report about all those afghans that president biden shipped into our country quote we determined cbp at admitted or paroled evacuees who were not fully vetted. So here we go. We're just letting people into the country, whether they're good or bad. We don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not a real system. It's not a real border. It's not a real sovereign nation. So, uh, all right, Todd, I got to run. Thank you, Todd Benzman. As always, appreciate your time. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Todd Benzman, everybody. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. A couple weeks ago now, I had uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi on uh, his book, the newest book he has written. He's written a lot of books. His book, uh, The Truth About Energy, Global Warming and Climate Change, Exposing Climate Lies in an Age of Disinformation. Um, and I had him on, Post Hill Press did his book, and I said it was very uh, helpful. People were interested in the topic, and, they, uh, and I got uh, folks emailing me, and I said, I'm going to have him back on because if you look around the world, A whole bunch of things are coming to bear on this country and the world, uh, excuse me, because of our policies on energy. For example, um, we're going to watch Europe freeze uh, to death um, because a lot of people because and I'm not kidding. It's not a joke because the policies there to get off of nuclear and to be more green and America's unwillingness to pump and uh, to to drill and to uh, pump more natural gas and oil makes it so that um, the reliance on Russian oil oil and natural gas was required. So it's a it's a mess. So uh, Jerry Corsi, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? I'm great, Ed. Great to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you. Your book goes through a lot. It's got a typical of you. Uh, you're more of a- academic than uh, polemicist. And so there's a lot of there there, a lot of things to go through. But I want to pull back, Jerry, and ask, um, could we design a policy, Joe Biden's policy, that is more 
problematic for world stability. I mean, we have the news that Russia has had to to sell to China natural gas and oil because they're uh, because they're they need a they need a market. China's buying it at, at cheaper than ever, and uh, then they I think half price. I mean, and and America's on the sidelines because we're not willing to pump. We're not willing to drill. It's a disaster. I don't think uh, the Biden administration could design more effectively a policy to destroy America in many ways. But clearly, this um, demonizing of carbon dioxide in order to ban or decarbonize using no more hydrocarbon fuels uh, is going to do what it's doing in Europe. It's going to basically shut down our economic activity. It's uh, going to raise sky high the prices of energy across the economy. And in Europe, uh, Putin, who I consider to be an evil genius, I'm not a Putin fan, but he is now announcing as of today that he will see the European people freeze. And Gazprom put out a video, a very, very startling video about Europe almost going through a new ice age this winter. And I think that's actually the reality. Europe is going to suffer because uh, this, you know, wind and solar are not a substitute. And uh, this idea we can go to renewable fuels and, and just be fine while replacing or eliminating hydrocarbon fuels is really nonsense. Um, we're talking with uh, Jerry Corsi, his book, The Truth About Energy, Global Warming and Climate Change. One of the things, Jerry, of the disinformation about climate change, and, and, I, and I really think when we're now we can look at it with the, the, the last five years as a sort of um, as a filter. And you can say, um, yeah, with regard to global warming, we had big tech and big media working with big government, especially Obama, in, in brainwashing the world on global warming. And so we had, we changed our policies. And in the book, one of the things that I really liked was you're looking closely at sort of the, the peer reviewed climate science where basically it became an echo chamber and it was sort of politically correct. Um, but I wonder when you watch John Podesta uh, leave private life to go to the White House again, and he has been appointed. They cleared out uh, McCarthy, uh, uh, Director McCarthy or whatever her name was, she, Gina McCarthy. She wasn't probably willing to do what John Podesta will do because he has a three hundred and eighty billion with a B dollar slush fund to support green energy and climate change uh, battles. My point is, it's more about the money. Jerry Corsi, yes, if you can brainwash the people into deciding to favor, um, I come from Missouri, the Carnahan family, one of the sons who wasn't an elected official, Tom, got a windmill project for $109 million back in 2010 from the stimulus package. I mean, it's it's a money game, and they're better at it than we're willing to admit. Well, that's exactly right. The studies that have been done of Obama's Stimulus plan. This is all a repeat of Obama. It's the Solyndra syndrome. All these companies that Obama funded with billions of dollars uh, right after he got elected failed. Solyndra was probably the most well-known of the failures. And Peter Schweitzer of the Government Accountability Institute did a study of the funding under Obama of these green energy projects. And something like between 70 and 90 percent of the funds went to the key people on the 2008 finance committee of Obama's election campaign for president. <laughs> right. Right. And so yeah. Podesta has got to be one of the biggest bag men in the Democratic Party. He was a, a prime force behind Hillary Clinton's 
campaign for president in 2016. Uh, his emails became notorious. He is, uh, I've studied him for years. He's a very nasty guy in terms of um, demonizing anyone who disagrees with him and very, very politically motivated. So this money, uh, that this 300 and some billion dollars that now President Biden is going to give away and again waste on uh, programs that are likely to fail, um, wind and solar, I are almost guaranteed to not have any of it go to supporters of Donald Trump, that's for sure. And it will most likely go to the people who are very close to Biden and have supported him financially. Uh, we're talking with uh, Jerry Corsi. Again, his new book uh, is out and uh, it is uh, Post Hill Press. And the title is The Truth About Energy, Global Warming and Climate Change, Exposing Climate Lies in an Age of Dif- Disinformation. Um, I think I can ask you this, Jerry. You're like one of the people I would ask this of because I think I think of you as uh, and you're, you, you, can, you can give me a smack off the air. But I think of you as like Phyllis Schlafly in her era. I know she was older than you, but you've been around for a long time and you have a certain breadth of knowledge on things. But the corruption of the the say just the Podesta thing, three hundred eight billion dollars or the stimulus in history, it's not that strange. Right. There, I mean, in, in the Roman Empire or in the medieval times, there would be the Medici's were in charge. And if you were the Medici's cousin, you got all the contracts and all. But the, the scope of it is just breathtaking in its enormity. I mean, we're not we're now down to, you know, we're not we're not talking 10 million, or even 100 million. We're talking about 380 billion dollars. I mean, this is money that that changes not just lives, but I think it changes sort of society. You, if you can fund a, a, a set of um, a, a series of businesses and nonprofits and other entities directionally towards the positions you have that are, in my opinion, disinformation and, and misinformation you could change all of society well that's right and, and by the way and i'm honored to be compared to phyllis i, <laughs> I figured you wouldn't mind that I part have, of it <laughs> i have uh was very close to her as you know and we yeah and she was very kind to support a lot of the work i have done and was um uh, very important to me in my work in politics and, and writing about politics at any rate to answer your question the Biden administration seems to be on a cloud piven, which is a an idea that developed in the 90s that you go to socialism by bankrupting government by having a deficit spend to do social programs that the left wants done. You know, New York City was bankrupted in part by having so many people on various welfare programs. And that was the you know the bankruptcy that almost destroyed New York. Right. At any rate, but, you know, they, it's, again, a, a massive amount of money at $360 billion. And we should have learned from the Obama Solyndra era that you can't just will, you know, wishing and hoping doesn't make it so. And the idea that these, you know, if we had a solar battery the size of a flashlight battery that was so it could store wind or solar energy and power a city, you wouldn't need government subsidies. That would be produced by mass, you know, mass produced by <laughs> right. in, in a second. Right. But these these technologies aren't that robust. And that's what Europe is finding. And Europe's going to go into a winter. And by the way, you know, the leftist has a hard time with understanding that the sun heats the earth. You just look up at the sky. It's not a tree ornament, that yellow thing up there. It's what is the source of our light and our heat. And in the winter, there's less sunlight. Also in the winter, a lot of the wind turbines freeze. I mean, this is not the year for and, – and there's absolutely no pretense in Europe 
You've got the German energy minister saying both that we ought to, they want to keep now the nuclear plants going. And he was just interviewed in television in Germany saying that companies are going to have to sh- close down manufacturing companies in Germany because the cost of energy is just too great. He refused to say they were going to go bankrupt. Instead, he said they'll just shut their doors and not produce for a while. That's essentially bankruptcy. And uh, Europe is facing a very desperate situation because, again, Europe is facing the wake-up call that hydrocarbon fuels are available. Uh, They can be used safely. They are relatively cheap, and they're powerful enough to supply a modern industrial society. Without them, uh, Europe is possibly going to freeze this winter. You know, uh, we're talking with Jerry Corsi. Um, uh, here's a different. Well, let me ask. I want to ask you this question. I'm trying to figure out the way to ask this. Let's pretend that we were actually allies with another nation, like we were. We were sophisticated enough to know that this this group, this nation, we have to stay friends with. You have to support them and make them help them succeed. We let's, we can pretend it's England right now, and let's, so let's do that. Let's say it's England, and we say we really, you know, we believe we share lots of values, and therefore it helps us all to work together. And England said, hey, um, you are uh, really friends of ours, really allies, and we're about to uh, starve to death. We do not have the ability. We have a famine. We have a uh, yeah, a pestilence. We cannot feed our people. We're going to starve to death. We would say, um, hey, no problem in the sense that we're going to adjust what we're doing. We're going to start shipping you food. What What I'm saying is, and, and we would do that. We would say, hey, we're going to we're going to we may have even have to nationalize something. I don't know what, you know, but the president would say we're not going to let the English people starve to death. We have a situation where Europe is basically turning to the world and saying for lots of reasons, stupid reasons, they are in a position they're in. But we could Joe Biden could announce, you know what, I'm really a green dude and I want to do all this green stuff, but we can't let our allies freeze to death we're going to frack and drill everywhere but only for 18 months after that i'll go back to being a green lunatic but for 18 months we're going to save europe from freezing to death am i overstating what he could do what we could do as a nation and he could say to every other he could bring in every one of the energy companies he could bring exxon and mobile or exxon mobile or they won now whatever bring them all in and say hey i gotta ask you to do this because we can't have people freezing to death in berlin we're not that kind of people and the fact that we're not doing that says something about to me about the religion of the green movement and the money in it and uh, and and a lot about america well the you're exactly right i mean we could do that uh there's no way that biden will do that yeah because he is the, the the base of this radical democratic party is now a neo marxist party and they are deep into this ideology uh, with the Green New Deal, which is a, a really essentially a neo-Marxist hijacking of the environmental movement, uh, openly proclaiming that we've got to end capitalism because they see capitalism, you know, just take a look at Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. She's basically saying that we've, social justice is not compatible with capitalism. So the base of the... Democratic Party, which I think is deep into the woke agenda and beyond the pale in terms of becoming a communist party, uh, is not going to tolerate Joe Biden doing the rational thing to help Europe with energy. 
Uh, Joe Biden's going to continue shutting down pipelines, blocking offshore drilling, uh, probably punish the uh, energy companies, you know, the oil and gas companies with windfall taxes, do anything he can right. to punish the industry. Right. Rather than the rational thing, let's get, you know, the oil, natural gas into the pipelines. Let's help England. Let's help Europe. Let's help ourselves. It could be done pretty easily. I'm sure Donald Trump wouldn't have any problem figuring out how to get that done. Yeah, it is. Um, you're right. I, I agree. I, I believe you're right in terms of your assessment of what is even possible for Joe Biden. But it is uh, it is daunting to believe that that's where um, we're going to be. Well, uh, as always, Jerry Corsi, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll make sure to uh, to publicize and, and put the word out on your book and uh, keep uh, uh, more of your voice out there is wonderful. So uh, I encourage you and thank you for taking the time with us. Always my pleasure, Ed. Um, God bless you and God bless Eagle Forum. And always uh, delighted to be with you. You're very nice. Thanks. Uh, Jerome Corsi, everybody. The truth about energy, global warming, and climate change exposing climate lies in an age of disinformation. My friends at Post Hill Press published that one. I love those guys. So uh, we'll take a break, everybody. And we come back. We've got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Yesterday was September 11th, a day known to all Americans as 9-11, a day that will always live in infamy in U.S. history. That was the day that Muslims, bent on murder and suicide, flew airplanes into the World Trade Towers in New York City. I wonder if there was some special significance to the date those criminals chose. Let's look at some history of more than four centuries ago. In the 1600s, the Muslim Empire was expanding into Europe. The Muslim armies plundered cities, took slaves, turned Christian churches into mosques, and demanded that Christians convert to Islam at the point of a sword. In 1683, a 100,000 Muslims surrounded Vienna, Austria, starved the Austrian people almost into submission, and sent this message to Austrian King Leopold I. Await us in your residence so we can decapitate you. However, on September 11, 1683, that's 9-11-1683. The Polish king Jan Sobieski gathered Polish, Austrian, and German troops and led a surprise attack on the Muslims, causing them to flee in confusion. This tremendous military victory kept the Muslims from conquering Europe. European leaders hailed Sobieski as the savior of Western civilization. The humiliated Muslim army then beheaded their general and sent his head back to the sultan in a velvet bag. Here is how President Theodore Roosevelt later described this decisive historical event. Christianity owed its safety in Europe to the fact that we could and would fight as well as the Mohammedan aggressor. And here's one sidelight on the Battle of Vienna. After the Europeans could enter the abandoned Turkish tents, they found bags of coffee beans and learned the secret of how the Turks could stay awake and fight day and night. Shortly after, a coffee house was opened in Vienna, and the use of coffee quickly spread. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. 
At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we just got a few moments. Let me say uh, thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producing. Love doing the show, guys. Sorry I got tied up and got too uh, too much time today. Uh, too much time, so only have a few seconds. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I will talk on Monday about uh, the uh, 9-11. Uh, I'm wa- marking it uh, solemnly, as always. Uh, we'll talk then. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>